Welcome back to the Soul Inspiring Business Podcast. I'm your host, Kara Chafin Donofrio, and I'm glad you're here. Today, I have the privilege of introducing to you Josh McAllen, a nationally recognized hospitality executive, conference speaker, innovator, builder, and investor with a track record for development of exceptional resort properties and growing world-class operational teams. He is the co-founder of Accountable Equity, which creates an alternative to Wall Street for the everyday investor to invest directly in privately owned assets. And he's the CEO of Viva May Hospitality. Viva May means reviving the soul. And as you'll hear from our conversation today, Josh is really passionate about creating businesses with soul. He believes that any high-touch business has a choice to see the business as almost a way of ministry, as a way of touching and creating impact in the lives of each guest and client that you serve. And the businesses that open themselves to that possibility, well, they can change the world. This was a super powerful and impactful conversation. It will change how you view your business, how you cultivate your teams and help them buy into a bigger vision. And you'll also definitely want to listen until the very end for Josh's description of the golden carousel and building tax-free wealth. It all starts now. I'm Kara, and welcome to Soul Inspiring Business. I believe that all of us possess unique gifts and talents that allow us to serve the world and our own growth in the highest possible way. Our lives are an expression of our thoughts, beliefs, and actions. And here, we will explore businesses, thought leaders, and topics designed to inspire, helping propel your own growth so you can live your best and most purposeful life. Welcome to Soul Inspiring Business. So welcome to the Soul Inspiring Business Podcast today. Today is a treat. I'm really excited to welcome our guest, Josh McAllen, to the show. So welcome, Josh. Well, thank you, Kara. So nice to be here. Hello, everyone from Soul Inspiring Business. Great to be part of your group. Yeah, well, uh, you are truly a soul-inspired leader in my book, and you're doing some really awesome things. So to give our listeners a little bit of background, we met... A few years ago, actually, um, when you were uh, starting uh, Renault and kind of turning around this amazing resort, and so we'll talk about your story and your business uh, in the and all that you're doing with that. But that's kind of how we connected, and just loved meeting you and your wife. You're a dad to ten beautiful kids, and right. um, so you've you've got your plate full. But I think what really stood out to me about you was also how you and your wife have such a great partnership, and how you're really just doing some amazing things in business, and you're really passionate about not just creating incredible profits and doing great things for the investors, but you're really purposeful in how you're building that and yes. the culture that you're creating. And so we're going to get into a lot of that today as well. So welcome. And I'm really glad you're here. Well, what a nice warm intro. Thank you so much. Uh, we are very purposeful. And so we connected well with your, your idea of your new podcast, uh, right from the beginning. I, I definitely get where you're going with this. And, uh, I can imagine the community is, is in love with this whole thought about how much good you can do with business. 
And I hope you ask me a couple of those great questions about what we're doing and our whole soul full service concept. Uh, but I'll let you, and I, you know, in general, uh, our background is kind of, we, we do a vertically integrated type of business, which means we buy these resorts with partners and then we run the properties all over the Eastern seaboard now. Uh, and then we um, also have a construction and design company. So we do all the different layers needed to revive the soul of great historic hotel properties, resort properties, wedding venues, all that kind of beautiful stuff. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I read that you, you started washing dishes in Austria, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. And now have gone on to, of course, overseeing a hundred million plus in, oh, um, yeah. in projects. Yeah. In projects. So it's pretty in, in, incredible, um, to hear that. So if you could sum up your journey, Oh yes, absolutely. Some key points along the way so that our, our listeners can also get a sense for where you've, you've been and what you're doing now. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'll connect the dots. So grew up in Pennsylvania and you're right. Your, your memory is right. There is a part of my story that's in Austria, Europe, but before then my dish days were here in uh, Norristown, Pennsylvania and in Norristown, Norristown, we grew up poor. My poor, poor mom had had a Sadly, they got divorced, but that's not the, the biggest sad thing. Months later, a year later, she has a cerebral hemorrhage at 727 and never works again. So we end up having to be on welfare and all that stuff just to make ends meet. I always joke I was one of the first free lunch kids back in the early 80s because I don't think that was a thing. Now it's a thing. I think everybody gets free lunch, but I did, I, they gave us free lunch. We went to a little Catholic school and they were so nice to us. They didn't even tell everybody how poor we were. So they would let us go for free and pay and give us lunch. So forward, I liked working at 12. I always saw this as like not a roadblock, these challenges, but as this, honestly, I never really saw any of those types of life situations as challenges, just here's where we're at. Let's go. So Mm -hmm. thank God that was a gift in my personality to just keep moving. So from 12, I became a paper boy for years. I love telling jokes about being a paper boy back in the eighties. That's like the end of an era. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as that anymore. Kids go work and don't get paid unless they collect it at the doors. It's great. Right. But I imagine that taught us a lot. So then fast forward dishes and that's my restaurant world. I went into dishes and then valley parking and pizzeria making, uh, you know, running the pizzeria stuff and then college and all these nice things. I thought I'd be a, um, I mean, I ended up getting an MBA, but before that a teaching degree and I did work in teaching the civics and economics and even theology And then I went back uh, to get my MBA. And from that point forward, it's been a really cool journey. I got to live in Europe and run a property that was really owned by a university, but run as a hotel as well. So it was a hotel Mm. facility in the Alps for Mm. four years. My wife and I lived there. We learned uh, to speak German a bit. However, most of our guests were American. So they cheat. We cheated too much. Mm. And then uh, when we got back to America, I became a luxury house flipper. I just decided Again, like you, vision board, manifesto destiny. I just flat out came back from Europe with a degree in business, no construction background. And what what looked like I could have been a great teacher or something. Mm. And I said, no, honey, I think we're supposed to build buildings. And it's just been my dream. You know, I always say I grew up in the 80s. So this old house was like I watched it all the time and I knew how to build things. I fixed everything <laughs> around the house because I was the man of the house at six. Right. So. I did the, uh, you know, little fixes. So I always knew how to use tools. 
And then I always joke, uh, well, I, I, that's a joke we don't need to get into. But my point is, I learned a lot from TV, right? So I, I watched, I watched this old house and wanted to be in building. And then by the by, the time I get back from Europe, I write this business plan and I'm, and I pitch it to all these land developers about how to sell new construction properties to families where the affordability index was off. Like remember in the 2005, 2006 houses were more really had shot up. It was the boom yeah. and people's salaries hadn't shot up. So there was that unaffordable. It was like very unaffordable to buy a brand new townhouse. Yes. So we came up with a strategy to how to do that, how to help them finance it, blah, 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 blah. So that, that helped me get in the door with many developers. And so I kind of pigeoned, I kind of positioned myself as a thought leader in the way to sell houses, even though I'd never done it. And, uh, and uh, the developers loved the creative design of my financing and all that. Bottom line, I ended up getting kind of a, well, this is a really, really deep, sorry. But one developer took a shot at me, hires me and says, we'll do your idea and I'll help all my friends who are developers sell houses. But in the meantime, could you help me finish a few mega house flips? And I'm like, yes. So I immediately, it was the days when you couldn't hire a GC. It was the 05, 06, there's no GCs left. They're all on projects. Everybody who had a pickup truck looked like a GC. You would just ask them, are you a GC? Can you build something for me? So those were the days where they couldn't find enough people. So I had a head on my head shoulders and a passion. So I went down and started building five to $12 million houses by mostly I was the guy on that property every day wow. The GCs with their little pickup trucks would show up every once in a while and other days not show up. So subs would come carpenters, painters, then, then we would sell to NFL football players and famous people. We even sold to the Phillies owner, Philadelphia Phillies owner. So here they are, the owners are starting to show up and I'm the guy. So they would have thought I built the whole building. Mm -hmm. So I became a very detail-oriented project manager for the luxury, luxury stuff in 06, 07, and the crash. And after the crash, it was no, no land development for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, started some businesses. Sorry, this is deep dive, but there's some jokes. No, I mean, this is such a, I love hearing the, the whole, because I haven't yeah. heard the whole story before. So this yeah. is great. So while we're building those fancy houses, like I'm driving, I'm at work a lot. My wife, we're having like, maybe we only had like a a little easy five or six kids, like crazy hard. I'm kidding. That's a joke. So we had five or six kids at the time, loved house building, was getting pretty good at it. Crash comes. I decide to control my destiny. I build a few companies uh, while we wait. And simultaneously, that family that had hired me, that developer was super, very good family, very good people. And they, um, they kind of had me on their short list. So as the economy stabilized after 11, 12, mm -hmm. they said, what would you do, Josh, if I brought you back? What could we do with some of these delinquent assets? And he had a delinquent teardown hotel that he was going to tear down. But then the crash came and he's like, but I can't tear it down. At least it pays its mortgage. I was going to tear it down and build luxury waterfront beach houses. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if people will buy them yet. The economy is squishy. So he said, what would you do? And I said, I don't know. Let me think about it. So I went down and became, they knew who I was. So it didn't go very well. They didn't like me, the people that were running it, but I did become a maintenance guy for a few weeks and literally mm. went through every room and checked things while the place was full. I would have like people. undercover. Uh, what's that show? Like undercover yeah. boss or something like Except that. Except for it was so not <laughs> undercover. Like I, I told him I was here to help and they're like, yeah, but we know who you are. You're his right. number two guy. This doesn't look, feel good. So right. I totally respected how uncomfortable it was for them, but I learned a lot. I learned that we were charging in 2011, a lot of money per night 
and the place was a flea bag. So I'm like, wow, flea bag hotel can still charge a lot at the beach. Hmm. Let's fix this up instead of tear it down. So we came, I wrote a whole business plan for the group on restoring hotels as a franchise prototype because the entire Northeast of America is full of great waterfront with terrible dumpy motels and other weird things built there. So I said, what if we bought them all? Like we, we just create a franchise model here for ourselves. I don't mean a franchise. I mean a prototype, Mm -hmm. just Michael Gerber this. And we just buy them, restore them, hire operators, restore the next hire operators. I said the whole, I said from here to Nantucket needs us, you know, bottom line, I was actually wrong about that. And this is why I'm on your show. I was wrong Mm -hmm. because when you buy a house and you flip it, it's about the house. Mm -hmm. When you buy a resort and flip it, it's about the soul of the guest Mm. and building great, pretty, beautiful things. We have a good eye for design. We knew how to uh, work with very complicated designs and contractors. So we knew how to build beautiful hotels because now that we were doing it in hotels, but what we were forgetting was the operation is a ministry. And so this, we didn't know this at first, but we learned it. Here's how we learned it, Kara. Mm. We got our teeth kicked in for three years of trying to piece together management people. First, we hired a Marriott certified group of people. We're like, you guys run great Marriott's. You run 30 Marriott's, just run our beachfront. And they struggled. And I wondered mm. why they struggled. And it was because this is such a deep dive, but in the world of Marriott, they're pretty consistent. You know, you go to one to the next, they're very, and they're usually full until the pandemic, like 70 to 85% of the time, the staff doesn't have to turn over very much. But when you build a resort and you charge hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of dollars a night, the expectation is way higher than a normal hotel. And your staffing is way younger and shorter term. Mm -hmm. So you understand there's this massive problem you know, I, uh, there's a structural problem with what we do. And so I said, well, if there's such a problem that even Marriott doesn't do it great. Um, they do it great for Marriott, by the way, I'm not saying Marriott was running our place. I'm saying a group of managers from Marriott were running our place. Right. Anyway, the, the surge of fluctuation of staff mm-hmm. is creates so many challenges for hospitality. And that's what the entire beach environment. So you go to the Delaware beaches, I'm sure you see it. You're like, you're spending four or five, $600 a night. And you're like, this does not feel like they know how to do this that well. And right. it's because they are struggling. They're, they're struggling. So what we were, we were one of those strugglers for a few years. And I ended up having to step in as the restaurant manager for a while, the head of hotels for a while. I always was on property on the weekends to make sure things just didn't break because mm-hmm we're humming at Ritz Carlton prices on the weekends with a staff that is, we hired eight weeks ago. Mm. So it's like very challenging. It was always very delicate. So we came up with a principle of training. We Mm -hmm. said, what if we dig into the training? Now we're hiring 20 year olds, 18 year olds and people that are from Europe sometimes. How am I going to train them to be the world's best chef or I'm actually not chefs, the hardest one. You always have to go after great chefs, front desk, uh, salespeople, um, bartenders, all these staff, how am I going to train them to be the best at any one thing? That's step two. First, Mm. let's train them on the mission of hospitality and the ministry that we can do, which is we can revive the soul of our guests. And it, Mm. it crossed my mind one night and then it just became a, like a burden on a, a creative itch. I had to itch this all the time. Why was it that on the nights when we had a service going well, 
and we were implementing my, you know, touching the table conversationally, making sure we knew their names as best we could and making sure we were as service oriented as they wanted us to. Mm -hmm. uh, those nights we'd get a hug from grandma. She loved this vacation. Uncle Vinny from New York thought I was really great. The next <laughs> night, cheeseburgers are going out at 45 minutes an hour. Steaks are taking an hour. Now, cousin Louie and grandma are cursing at me at the table and they want to kill me. So I'm like, wow, yes, we made mistakes. Mm -hmm. I totally get why they're mad. I'm not, I was never against that. I just was measuring the radical difference mm -hmm. of the emotional connection we were having. So on the night where the conversations were great, the drinks were great and the food was great, they could open their heart and enter into like a spiritual interaction with us, something really communal, right. which by the way, breaking bread, all this old fashioned stuff from like the beginning of man and woman kind yes. has always been somewhat, it, it's like what a holiday is built around is a meal, right? Meals are spiritual. Yeah. So I realized there's something crazy different happening here in these restaurants and in these hotels than normal business. Mm -hmm. normal business when you go to cvs and you buy a pack of gum it's super transactional and that's what you want and that's all it is when you transfer into businesses that are complex like resorts or in any type of professional industry it's much more about the person mm -hmm. and you have some would say that's a negative like the people who are cold hard i don't want staff i don't i just want business and i want money those people won't like what I'm about to say. So you can close your ears for, if you're in that camp, or if you want to know the opportunity, keep your ears open. The opportunity is in these high touch personal businesses like real estate sales, like food and beverage, like resorts, like anything related to the person, which is pretty much all business. Pretty much all business. Yeah. Yeah. The, burst, <laughs> the person, then you have a choice to see the true spiritual activity you're about to do or to ignore it. You're allowed to ignore it. CVS can kind of ignore it and we'll still buy packs of gum there. But a business that opens their eyes to what's possible and the, then they're going to transform the world. Mm. And so we just went down this path of training our staff at whatever walk of life they were from. Maybe they tough backgrounds like I used to have to great backgrounds, to wealthy people, to poor kids. We would stop everybody, have a meeting once a week mandatory for staff, hundreds and hundreds of staff at these places. And we would go over the WHY, the why, why are we doing this? Hmm. Why are we here? And we would just phrase our certain trainings in creative new ways every week, but we would train the same core topics on WHY. And we would just encourage them. We would recognize the team. We would know everybody by name. Even hundreds of people would know hundreds of people by name. That was first. Then we'd go over the principles we had written into the company. Here's some of the principles. Here's why we did it. Here's what's so cool about it. Here's what you can do if this is impactful for you, what you could do to change someone's life. And we'll explain all this if you want. But yeah, no, I, I think that's so fascinating. That's I how we it became really good. is about creating the soul of a company. You know, yeah. this, I mean, really, it's when you're, you're not just creating an experience or a soulful experience for your guests, but you're also creating, you're doing it by first focusing on the people that are part of your company, you know, first. Yes. So sometimes I think that's where we get that backwards. We just think about like 
the people that we're trying to serve. And we forget that like, wait a minute, we need our team though. Like they're going to be the ones that I can't be everywhere. Right. So you may have that vision, but how do you get Susie at the front desk to have that vision? Right. Because that, at the end of the day, if you have it and she's missing it, then there's disconnect from the you very beginning. You couldn't be more right. You couldn't be more right. Yeah. I mean, this is such a, because of how, how connected you are with the reality of life and how, how much beauty all of us have. I guess we're going pretty deep on this, guys. Most of our podcasts I'm on, I don't usually touch on this, but <laughs> let's go even deeper. You know, we have a philosophical belief that every person has infinite dignity and worth. And that's how we want to work. So Melanie and I just, we feel that way. We feel that you have dig dignity, Kara, whether I know you or not, I know you have dignity. And I want to cherish that. So we're just going to try to cherish it. Now, as you can tell from the intensity of my voice, I'm not a pushover. Like nobody gets uh, high fives for doing crap work here. Everybody gets called to the carpet. You, we always say it's okay if you're, if you're able to, if you're, if you're, if you're, we have a, <laughs> I'm going to go deep here, buddy. You ready? Okay, cool. We, we flat out encourage resignations on a weekly basis in our training. We always say, guess what? doesn't make you a bad person at all. If you don't like this, we always say it does not make you a bad person. If you don't like where we're going. Right. But we're, we're committed. So our hospitality company is called Viva May, Reviving the Soul. I said, this whole thing, whether you're the dishwasher here or whether you're running the golf tractors or whatever you're doing is so the guest feels their soul is revived and that they can relieve their stress for a few hours or days and feel their dignity because they have it too, just like mm -hmm. you and I. Right. So if you don't want that here, it's going to break down for you and you're eventually going to get frustrated. So it's okay if you resign. I always say great news. We're going to respect you more if you resign because you don't want this. And we're going to give you a great referral because you're an honest person. Mm -hmm. But if you stay, it's because you're falling in love with what we're doing and we want you here and we're going to give you promotions. As a matter of fact, we do this talk every once in a while too. I say, who in this room wants a promotion and a raise? Go demand it. Like we are a rapidly growing company. Whoever in this room of hundreds of people wants more responsibility, take it. But here's the consequence of that. We're a service-based business. We're also a servant culture. What do you call it? Servant leadership. So if you're mm -hmm. going to ask to be a leader here, you'll get paid more, but you are going to be the servant to the servants. Mm. And that means you, you cherish them and you carry their burdens. So if you want leadership, you actually go down a bit in, in level of now you're serving the servants who serve this, the guests. Mm. So please join us. If you're that person, come right up and ask for a job or a raise or a promotion. And we've had it happen. It's been really, really powerful. And we've also wow. had people leave and we're like totally great. And we definitely do what we say we're going to do. We don't judge them. We don't, we're not mad at them. We appreciate them because what we're doing. And then in the hiring process, now we've got it down to a system where we say, we know who our three core, our, what our three core values are. If you want them, Jenny, Bill, Sam, Alex, you're going to love it here. If you, it doesn't mean you're perfect, by the way. No one here is saintly and perfect. It just means they want three things. Do you want them? So it's not even like I got them. I'm not even good at these three things yet, but I want them. That's right. all you need. Right. Do you want to work with joy? Do you, now this is a little bit on you, Jenny, Sam, and Alex. Do you enjoy this type of work? Do you love bartending? Do you like answering the phone? Do you like greeting people when they come from a long, weary drive? Do you like that? Because not everybody does. It doesn't make you a bad person, but we can only hire the people who like that. So do you enjoy mm -hmm. that? Two, 
do you seek humility? Doesn't mean you're perfectly humble. Doesn't mean anything. It just means, do you want what humility is? So let me explain it. Humility is teamwork. It's seeing the good in the others. It's helpfulness. It's, hey, I see you're struggling. Can I do something to help? Mm -hmm. Everywhere, across the whole line. Do you want humility? By the way, those of you who want it, are it's a secret strength you have. And we're really grateful you're here. So humility is number two. And three is ministry. And we've used this word a few times here, but this was the, the revelation two and a half years into getting my teeth kicked in of struggling through restaurants and hotel work was once I came up with this premise that was, at first it was felt. Remember I told you Uncle Vinny and Cousin Louie? Sure. They, I could feel their hate and I could feel their love. I'm like, man, this is wild. This is spiritual because I can feel something here. It's not just whether they paid, paid the bill. So I came up with the premise that the things we do are the most spiritual parts of business. We mm -hmm. feed, we feed their belly. We give them good conversation. We give them an environment of peace. And then we give them a bed, which is, I always say, what are all these things that we do? We just happen to be lucky to be in hospitality, but everything I'm doing and I'm about to share with you listeners, you just transfer your business. Mm -hmm. Our business might be the single most powerful portion of soul full service, as I was telling you about, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean your business isn't incredibly powerful. I just think hospitality has this special opportunity to touch so many intimate, heartfelt components of our life, right? Mm -hmm. So food, uh, relaxing, I always say food and beverage and liquor is quicker. I always say beverage is quicker, right? So you know that you can create better community when you get a little, a little tipsy, you know, you, great food creates great environment. That's number one. That's the most intimate thing. I always say it's the most intimate time. Our physical bodies touch our spiritual something. And I always say, literally, we put it inside of us, the food, the beverage. And I always say liquor is quicker because it goes right to our bloodstream. So right. you got, you have food and beverage. And then the next most intimate thing we can do with our bodies that is spiritual is go to bed. It's when we finally shut off. Actually, I say number, I always say number one most spiritual thing you can do with your body is make babies. Because it's spirit, it's physical stuff that makes a soul. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So number one thing is make babies. Number two is food and beverage. Mm -hmm. As you're actually consuming something that is like making you happy. It's it's a whole really meta metaphysical thing. And then three is fall asleep because at falling asleep, you're super vulnerable. We've all been around a cranky baby at night and a happy baby in the day. They're like the same person and they're really one's devilish and mean and hurtful and hurting you and saying terrible things to you right. the same kid right so sleep is super sensitive and our soul and our body it's all kind of like mingling and, and vulnerable mm -hmm. so if you don't give them a good bed if you don't get them clean and make it perfect if you don't have all the amenities right and then cherish that my point is so in hospitality we just touched three it two definitely if not all three yeah. of the most intimate things you can do that are spiritual with your body so right. my point is we just happen to have all that you guys have a lot of that yeah and so ministry is where you just simply say i want to do small tasks so that you feel my love mm, yeah whether, whether it be oh you needed the cart taught brought up to you on the second floor absolutely and you do it with a sense of urgency not because you have to check it off a box oh i got to get the cart to the second floor it's so that you make them happy and feel right. loved. Right. So it's just yeah. an intentionality thing. And we can do that in every business. Well, I think you're so right. And I think when you know those principles, so I think what the challenge is for some businesses is that they, first of all, they don't know 
what they're, what they stand for or like what they want, the experience that they want to create for the other or for their guests. So first it starts there, right? Knowing what those things are. Second, being willing to looking for really, I mean, there's, there's books written on this, right? Like how to get the right people on the bus and like have the right people on your team and know when to say, listen, like nothing wrong with you, but this may just not be a fit for you. And I don't think that, you know, we align right now with, you know, the principles that we're trying to create. Right. And knowing when to, because I think what happens is, as a lot of business owners, we, maybe we get busy or we need the help. Yes, and so then we feel like, oh my gosh, I can't let this person go because then what's going to happen? I'm going to have, you know, but really you're creating so much extra work for yourself in the long term. And then you're never able to get and cross to that level of, as you said, creating these spiritual experiences for our guests or for the clients that we serve. And so that is, I mean, hospitality is a very direct connection to that, as you just mentioned, but any business owner can relate to that, right? Can relate to, we've got to be really clear on what it is and what the experience that we want people that work with us to have. And then make sure that the things that we're doing on a daily and a minute by minute basis align with those things. And even if you don't have a team yet, making sure your own actions align with that. How did I do today? Did I measure up in these areas where I wanted to, and where can I be better? Where can I tweak things to make sure that I'm really going back to those principles that I've said are so important. So anyway, yeah, no, I think, and please trans. Yeah. Everyone who's listening, please just pause the tape here. As I say from the eighties, pause the tape. No (laughs) pause. And just, uh, where are your principles? Like Kara said, I mean, what are the ones that pertain to your type of work best? I mean, even if you're a professional and you serve a value chain of other professionals, there's, usually you get to service a guest or a person on the other end of that. And you're, you're nice how you say the word guest like we do. We changed our terminology to from client or um, get a customer. We, that we always say the C word is a curse word. You're mm-hmm. not allowed to say customer because it feels like a transaction. A guest is welcomed. Right. And, and, and of course, there's compensation for either one, but one is as a gift. Uh, a gift is given and compensation is received. And that's just, that's the vibe we want to live on. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why um, you're, when I think of soul inspiring business and I really do think of you all and what you're creating because you're, um, and I think your, your story, I'm always so interested in hearing your path to where you are now, because I think wherever anybody is on their business journey, you have to kind of bless the path that led you to where yeah. you are. And so uh, you may not have seen the different layers and how you were being led along the way, but those experiences have now helped you create this bigger understanding for now being able to create bigger impact in your businesses and in the lives of others. So, so thanks Thank you for, for sharing. saying that. Thank you for saying that you're right. I mean, we have to forgive our earlier selves. I put that on my little Instagram thing the other day. There's this other saying, I think from Eastern spiritual spirituality, where it says our past has prepared us perfectly for our present. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we've had an easy past. It just means where we are today, we can choose the good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You can see it through a lens of, oh, wow. Like that's why, I mean, I've 
in my own business have gone through some different experiences and personal and professional. And now I can look back and say, oh, I guess that's now I have more empathy for people going through this and I can relate to them. And so I'm grateful for that experience, even though when you're going through it, it wasn't as fun, you know? So I'm interested in this concept of the golden carousel that you were sharing with me before we, we started recording. So can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah. And this is a fun transition for your listeners. So we've been talking about why we're in this business is to share this type of transformation. And that's really what gets us up in the morning, Melanie and I, and we have a large team, but you know, what's great in business. You can't actually uh, just snap your fingers and all of a sudden you have a big company. No, you, in our business, we had to buy resorts. In order to buy resorts, we need to ask investors to join us. And we treated that whole thing as a, as a work, mm-hmm. a special work. And, and we call it an investor community. So if you're listening, it's called accountable equity. That's how Kara and I are partners. That's how many of us and Andrew are partners. We own these properties together. Now, once we own them together, the money can make the jobs and the work and the ministry possible. So we like had a pivot three, four years ago, I was working for the wealthiest people in America and I was building beautiful resorts for them. And almost all the economic benefit went to that small community, which is great. And then I learned you can do this for families and salespeople and doctors and, you know, people that have good financial means. They're not hundred millionaires, but they have financial means. And I realized this is possible. So now what we did is we pivoted and my work today is mostly with the investors. So we created an investor community called Accountable Equity, where we are doing this work together. And I think that's our, like my new guest. It's almost like the investors are my guest now. And we have a team of people that take great care of the people who want a great wedding or a great wine or a great meal. That is all happening with hundreds of people, hundreds and hundreds of great people. And I'm with them as well. But I'm also with the investors a lot. And so the golden carousels I'm going to show on the screen if you're around is something <laughs> yeah. years ago, I tell two stories real quick about this. Melanie and I uh, have been pivoting our company through Corona into a really dynamic experiential company with much more than just weddings and resorts and golf. But like we, we're holding like mega events now and concerts and winter festivals and ice skating So we've added this layer of like truly getaway experience, even if you're a local. So Mm -hmm. you walk on these properties and it's kind of magical. You have glasses of wine, you're a fire and you're sitting there watching your children ice skate outside in coronavirus time last winter. And so we've, we've literally, we were on the wall street journal. We were in every media around us picked up what we were doing and it brought in millions of dollars during the time when Corona was shutting companies down, we were doubling its size. And so Melanie had this dream that we would do it in the summer. And so we went on the search to find what would be an amusement that's not meant to make a lot of money, but to kind of create the dynamism. And we thought, what about a beautiful antique European style carousel? And we'll put it in our gardens and we'll do botanical gardens with fire pits and music. And so we got our head around this carousel thing. And I, so we wrote a metaphor so we're really going, we actually own a carousel. It doesn't look very different than this. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And you'll, it, it, it's being restored because it's a historic. They're delicately going to paint it out and I'll probably design it with a lot of gold elements. But here's my point. So this metaphor came because I've, we now have 225 families that have invested from Europe to all over the entire country, uh, some Canada. It's everywhere. We have investors from everywhere now. And 
their families. And we try to know them at least in conversation once or twice. And we wanted to explain to them how different what we're doing is. So we have investors that call us who have never bought anything but a Wall Street stock. And why would they buy a resort? And then we have investors that own 50 res rental properties and they don't want to run them anymore. So they're hiring us to, they're buying our projects so that we'll run it for them. Mm. And so there's this whole confusion. And this is where the carousel makes it pretty inelegant. There's confusion about, shouldn't I just take my $100,000 and buy Wall Street mutual funds? Why, it, why are so many good, smart people choosing to take $100,000 and buy resorts? Of course, you can't buy the whole resort, mm -hmm. but you can buy a portion of it. And so I came up with the idea of a carousel as an explanation point because every there's a rhythm and a flow. Once you change from Wall Street and you go to private investment, the world is totally different. You, the taxes help you. They help you. The government actually gives you incentives in the code to put money into buildings or put money into companies that hire people like we do mm -hmm. or buy equipment. All of those, what I just described to you, will lower your taxes. Mm -hmm. So this is too complicated, but there's a rhythm to this. And I say each horse on the carousel can represent a different thing you buy. You might buy an apartment investment. You might buy your own rental house. You might buy a beach house each horse. And then we hope that one of the horses is our resorts. And the reason you want many horses in the idea of private investing is because as they go up and down on that rhythmical carousel, some are making cash and cash is throwing off on the upside. And then they have depreciation. And so they come back down. So what's going on is if you design the rhythm correctly by working with people that do private investing like we do, you can actually use your CPA to design a tax-free income stream. Wow. And so the carousel book, it, the carousel is a beautiful picture, but it's trying to explain this best-selling book called Tom from Tom Wheelwright called Tax-Free Wealth, where this entire new paradigm of investing is available right now. And so few of us know about it. I mean, 225 families is a lot of families, but that's nowhere near how many people invest in Wall Street. Right. Wall Street is totally different than buying real assets. And Wall Street, as far as I can tell, comes with almost no tax incentives that offset the income. You pay tax. But private investing done correctly with rhythm and with a, in, with a strategy, like a beautiful rhythm of horses, can actually be desi designed so you pay no taxes. Mm -hmm. So if you pay no taxes, then it makes it so much more lucrative than Wall Street. And not only that, you're actually putting people in jobs and you're right. the, the reason there's tax incentives is because you're touching the project directly. Right? So when you buy our resort and you own a portion of it and you literally own it and you get cash from it, and then you get losses, passive losses, very fancy. I never knew how powerful all this was until years ago when I went, I just decided to become an expert in designing private investments for people. Uh, but it's so different guys. So if you're listening to soul inspired business, inspiring business, and you're thinking that's a whole different way to think about treating people and why you do business. This is a whole different way to own your future. Mm -hmm. And it comes down to that one simple word, real assets. And the second simple concept is cash flow. Mm -hmm. And so the horses represent different types of investments we can all do from buying the house next door and renting it out on Airbnb to a beach house. We can do all of these. It's not just what I do. It's any type of real investment with real cash flow can create a tax-free life for you. And I hope that that 
freaks everybody out on the phone because that is so different than what we've been taught since we were a kid. So I have a whole speech, just email me and I'll give you a speech with slides called the golden carousel. Just an email, email me at investor relations at accountable equity. We'll put it in the show notes, but investor relations at accountable equity and in the subject line, right? Golden carousel. And we'll send you like exactly how this works and why the IRS code wants you to buy these types of things and how you can really completely change your life if you get on this beautiful, elegant golden carousel. That's so good. And I love that you touched on that because my eyes have just more recently, and I was a finance major, if that's what I majored in before real estate. And so, you know, always been taught that Wall Street and that was the way to, to retire. And, you know, you had to um, fund your 401k and all those kind of things. But my eyes have been open more recently to just so many of these other types of options. And I think that, um, I think that's such a gift that you're going to share that with everybody. And I wrote, we'll include the book as well, the tax-free wealth by, um, what was the author's name again? Well, Tom Wheelwright. So if you've ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he's part of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad courses. Awesome. With uh, with Robert Kiyosaki. So I think, you know, that's so good. And, And even for for our listeners, just to kind of open your eyes to what's possible or expand your mind into what's possible. Cause it doesn't mean that like you shouldn't do Wall Street. I'm not here to give financial advice, but I think people just need to know what their options are out there so that they can know going in, not be blind to their strategy, but like an active part of that strategy. Oh, well you know? said. That's exactly right. So it always is going to come back to us. And I, I just throw out there that I remember growing up, we all were told we had to fill up our 401k and everything about investment was about not touching it. Remember, Mm -hmm. just put it away, put in a mutual fund and don't touch it. Damn it. I always joke and don't (laughs) touch it when it's going up. Don't touch it when it's going down. Don't touch it Uh, when you're retiring. Don't touch it. You can't even take it out when you're retiring. They, They don't want you to. They want you to live on the interest. Right. 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 So don't touch it is the only rule of investing we've all been taught. That, I know that's all I've been taught until a few years ago. I'm like, that's crazy. So I think it's great you're you're bringing that up because I really am passionate about helping people understand what is what's possible for them out there and giving them tools to find out what is the best answer for them. So thank you for sharing that. And this has just been such a, a fascinating conversation with you. I think you're doing so many great things. I can't wait for our listeners to get to know you more personally. I'm curious before we leave. One of the things that is incredible, and you mentioned it a little earlier, is that what you've done with these resorts and uh, during COVID, in a time when people are closing their doors, you creatively came up with these ways to bring people together. And I think that's what you're doing with the, the carousel that you're putting in and the events. And it is, you've created a soul in the land too, of where you're, where you've built I think lands, homes, resorts, they all have a soul and an energy to them. And so I'm curious because you do seem to just find inspiration from places where other people didn't think of those things in the way that you did. Where do you find your inspiration? Do you have a ritual or a routine that you practice? I'm just curious what that looks like for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I admire people like you because you're really good at doing it every day. We're not. We, we're not good at every day, but we are doing the Miracle Morning, uh, Melanie and I. And then, of course, we have our faith, 
thank God. We do believe there's something more than just skin and bones on us, right? I think that connection crisscrosses every type of faith and religion and uh, spirituality is that there's a little more going on in all of us than skin and bones. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you realize that, you probably then, I think we then search for what's more going on in business too, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's where, I mean, I definitely didn't set out as a restaurant manager years ago when I was picking up the pieces, when people would quit, I had no idea that I was going to create a concept about the spirituality of serving. I just knew it was happening. And as I was talking about it, it was inspiring the people around me. I'm like, yeah, this is really happening. Like people are really passionate about our properties. You know, we became top seven best resort in America for, for years. And, mm -hmm. uh, and now we're doing that with, uh, with regular investors that normal people. And now I realize the investor thing is the, is the new frontier for me. Like now I can bring this type of community. And that's the last thing I want to leave with you is Melanie and I, along with some other investors, and we're trying to get Kara and Andrew on the show, run wealth building with friends. It's simple, no fancy terms, conversations about how usually it's your friends and your community that open up the opportunities for wealth building mm -hmm. and we just keep it comfortable so that podcast is the best place to begin if you've never even thought about wealth building and what's wealth building it just means that you have enough income to pay your bills every month it's not that you're driving lamborghinis mm -hmm. it's that money is covering you you're covered in your money needs so that you can do your passion and your ministry mm -hmm. so wealth building with friends Awesome. It's a great show. You got to check that one out. Oh, all right. We definitely will. And, and I think that that's a great way to leave it is for, you know, people just to learn more about you because what you're doing really along your journey, it's been to create impact. And as you've grown and as you've learned these different ways to build wealth, you're really passionate about sharing with others and yes. helping that everyday investor. I think sometimes people get intimidated, like, oh, but I'm not a millionaire right now. So I don't how am I even going to build wealth? That seems so foreign, yes. but it doesn't have to be. It's really just to inspire you to look into it and to see that it's everyday people, right? Everyday and, people. and how can we really help increase our own wellness and, and for, mm -hmm. and, and make an impact in the world and make an impact for our families and look for bigger ways to grow impact. You said that perfectly. That's exactly so, what we're trying to do. So thank you so very much. Now, what are the best ways for people? You've mentioned a few different places. We'll make sure yep. to put those all in the show notes. So what are the best ways for people to contact you? Yeah, I, I think uh, the simplest page is the accountable equity to, to American English words, just spell it out.com accountable equity. And, uh, and then of course, please check out Melanie's uh, podcast that I get to be with her on. Uh, and it's called wealth building with friends on every platform. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so very much, Josh. This was really special. And thank you for making time for us and our listeners today. We love your, love your show and love what you're doing. Thank you so much, Kara. I'm Kara, and you've been listening to Soul Inspiring Business. If you found this helpful, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And if you feel so bold, share with others as well. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to growing